Can they hear us now? Good. Here's one for you. Work hard, work smart, work consistent. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 235 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. It's really important. Get that done for me. You know what? Just pause this episode. Pause this episode. Go get all that done for me. I would greatly appreciate it. Then get right back to the show because we have a great one for you. Today's show, Kyle Draper, play-by-play announcer for the Sacramento Kings and host of Kings pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports California is here on Combo's Court. A fantastic conversation. We talk about Kyle's media career, the evolution of play-by-play, Kings basketball, and more. You could find Kyle on Twitter and Instagram at Kyle Draper TV. That's K-Y-L-E-D-R-A-P-E-R-T-V. You know you could find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. You could also find me on Twitter at Combo's Court. That's C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Draper, play-by-play announcer for the Sacramento Kings. Welcome to Combos Court. How are you feeling today? What's up, my man? Good, man. Just uh, happy to be talking hoops with you. Are you happy to be on the West Coast? Because you just made that transition from the cold weather uh, from Boston. I know you love Boston, but how, how has that transition been for you? You know, it, it's been tough, you know, being away from family and friends. But I'll tell you this, man. You can't beat this weather. I've been golfing almost every day. You know, the sun is out today. And so... Well, I do miss Boston. I don't miss those 20 or 30 degree temperatures, man. <laughs> um, take me through your broadcasting career. I know you've spent over a decade with the Celtics, and obviously now you teamed up with Doug Christie. Um, tell me about everything that led up to it, because from what I understand, you, you could correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't always all basketball, right? No, it wasn't always basketball, man. You know, it, it's crazy. I, I'll take you back and tell you the quick story. I actually went to college as an engineering major, And so I never thought about, you know, sports and basketball and being on TV. And then, you know, I I couldn't pass this one class in college, differential equations. And and so I was struggling. So I said, I got to switch the game up. And so uh, then I uh, changed my major to sports broadcasting. Things took off. I started out as a a news reporter in La Crosse, Wisconsin, believe it or not, a news producer also. And then slowly worked my way up. I mean, the goal was always sports, right? It was always sports broadcasting. But, you know, I was covering high school sports. I was covering junior college sports. And then, you know, I get to Louisville and I'm covering University of Louisville and University of Kentucky and IU. Then I get to Boston and I'm sort of a jack of all trades, but they they realized my love and passion for the NBA and they gave me that opportunity. And, And here we are, man, you know, now part of the Sacramento Kings. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, you know, the game of basketball has evolved. Do you feel like being a play-by-play voice and just everything involved with it has evolved as well, or is it more or less the same as it was in, I don't know, in the 80s? I think that the technical aspect of it is, but, you know, the, the consumer has changed. 
you know, the times have changed. You know, basketball is a hipper sport. It's a younger sport now. And so, you know, the traditional play-by-play, you know, is still good. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, fans want their broadcasters, their commentators to, to have just as much fun as they do watching the game. And so I don't think it's as traditional as it used to be that the, the you know, the uh, technological side of it and the ins and outs, that that's all the same. But I think, you know, now as a play-by-play announcer, you're allowed more personality too. Um, and, and I think that's what attracts fans. You know, there are a lot of people that can do the job. It's a difficult job, but you got to have that personality too to con- connect with fans. And so I think there's a difference there. It's, it's not your mom and dad's, you know, uh, play-by-play style. It's it's more conversational, more relaxed, exactly. but also more excited too, you know? And so uh, you look at some of the greats out there in the business, they do a great job, whether it's Kevin Harlan, Mike Green, Mark Jones, who I work alongside a lot. I mean, those guys have been able to bridge, you know, some of the, the older demographic and the younger de- demographic too. So it's, it's the same, but, you know, there's some, uh, the, the viewer is different nowadays. So Kyle, you grew up, in philly correct yeah philadelphia born and raised man i prepare kyle i prepare man <laughs> so you um, did your research okay okay so you know we know about julius irving we know about moses malone we even know about andrew tony but what were some of the role players you really appreciated back then that's what i want to know Ooh, the role players you know you got bobby jones mo cheeks athletic not- bobby jones was athletic and mo cheeks played a lot of d i know i come on exactly. you, know. you know you know the game you know the game so <laughs> great you know uh you know and, and believe it or not don't tell anybody this i won't. was a huge lakers fan growing up don't tell- yeah yeah because you know back in the 80s man at, you know dr j was sort of you know it was the tail end of his career uh and so magic was coming up and and, and it felt like it was just lakers and celtics every year it's always a huge Magic Johnson fan growing up, man. I, I could tell you all about 80s basketball. But, yeah, man, so, you know, some of the role players you mentioned, um, you know, a, a guy like, you know, I, I look at the Pistons, like a John Sally or something like that, you know. Like, those are the guys you need on your team if you want to win a championship. you got to have the stars, but you also have to have guys that know your role, too. Most definitely. Um, I, my, my listeners are probably sick and tired of me talking about Tyrese Halliburton because I was talking about him way before, you know, yeah. even the draft came up. Um, now, he's already a good NBA player, right? We know yeah. that. What do you think he has to do to become a star in this league? Or do you just see him as a star in his role? What do you think? That's a great question because he's well ahead of the game, right? You know, a rookie, you know, only 15 games in. But I don't even think he knows how good he can be. And when I right. say I need him to be even more aggressive. And I'm not saying go out there and take 20 shots or anything like that. But go out there and make plays, you know. And so it, it's it's kind of tough him and De'Aaron Fox, you know, uh, playing together because Fox handles the ball a lot. But, you know, Tyrese, man, he, 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 he can knock down the three. We've seen that. He can score the ball. He can make other players better. And so I just think time, man, and and just a more aggressive mindset. When he's out there on the floor, especially at running the point, he has to be the guy, you know? And so uh, there was a game, um, they just played uh, the Clippers. They lost to the Clippers. But there was a stretch there where Tyrese was just kind of quiet. And then all of a sudden, he had two or three possessions in a row where he was the best player on the floor. And so he just needs more consistency with that. I think, you know, one of the things that I've been impressed with 
a lot of times a rookie will come in and, and sort of feel his way, defer. Tyrese hasn't done much of that, but I want to see more aggressiveness from him. You know, I want to see him taking 10 to 15 shots a night. I want to see him up in that seven to eight assist range. He's getting the minutes from Luke Walton now. And so there's not anything he really can't do offensively, especially on the basketball court, because he has a high IQ. He has all the tools. So I just want to see more of it, really. Do you feel the Kings are in rebuild mode? That's a good question. Are they and should they are two, are two like, <laughs> new GM in Monty McNair. So I think in Monty McNair's mind, he's trying to see what he has, assess what he has. And he has some good young players. That's the thing. Right. You got yeah. some good young players. But when you're in that locker room, too, and if you talk to the guys, this isn't a rebuild. You know, they're trying to push, especially in this year with a couple extra playoff seeds, you know, and the play-in. The Kings feel like, why not them in terms of making that playoff push? And so, you know, I, I think they're sort of in a transition in a, in a fact-finding phase. All right, who's our core? Who are going to be the guys, you know, going with us moving forward and being a part of this moving forward? That's interesting because you look at OKC and you would think they're in rebuild mode, but then I don't think SGA got the memo, you know? I don't think, <laughs> I don't think some of those guys. Yeah, but, but you know, with, with OKC, they went from sort of in rebuilding mode to not in rebuilding mode because you had Chris Paul and you made the playoffs. Now they're back to rebuilding mode because you got like a thousand draft picks. So, you know, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see which direction Monty McNair goes. Does he, you know, try to uh, acquire draft assets and build through the draft? Does he try to make some trades and, and, you know, land a star in that regard? And so I I think right now, like I said, he's in a fact-finding mission. The team everybody's talking about right now is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, But I'll ask you this, and you could add the Brooklyn Nets in there somewhere. Is there any legit contenders besides L.A. right now? Because, I mean, I don't know. If the Lakers stay healthy, I don't really see a team that could beat them in a seven-game series. Uh, Would you put Brooklyn in there, and who else do you see in there? As you know, how teams are playing in December and January aren't necessarily how they'll be playing in April and May. You know, Brooklyn's definitely in that mix, for sure. Can Brooklyn win it? Hell yes, Brooklyn can win it. No, but the way their roster is currently constructed, can they win it? Probably not, because I think they need there more. There you go. But but as you know, they'll pick up somebody. They have yeah. spots. You know, they'll add some veterans into the mix. And so you look at a team like, you know, Brooklyn, you've got to throw the Clippers in. I know people are down on the Clippers. They failed last year. They, you know. PG, uh, uh, PG and Kawhi are playing really efficient right now. And right, and, exactly. And PG, so and PG if you're talking right, they're in a championship. Yeah. If you're talking as presently constructed, they can win a championship. And so, honestly, I have probably three or four teams that can go all the way and actually win it. The book, two L.A. teams. I'm going to throw Brooklyn in that mix. I want to say Milwaukee. I don't want to say Milwaukee. I'm not a believer. And I I haven't been a believer for a long time. And I wasn't a believer when it was the popular thing to be a believer. Yeah, yeah. But what about Philly? Can you throw Philly in that mix? I like Philly better than... Milwaukee, to be honest, because I just like what they put around Joel and Ben. I also like that they have Doc Rivers leading them. And I think Daryl Morey, which nobody talks about. I mean, he's a really great mind when it comes to basketball. Just all that. Like, I think winning a championship is a combination of so many things. That's why I didn't really look at the Warriors as a contender, even when Clay was healthy. I was one of the few that didn't think so. I mean, what do you think? If Clay was healthy and I and I hope him the best, do you think they were a contender? 
No, because I, I still think they're kind of soft in the middle, soft. Uh, and, and, and maybe next year, Clay comes back, Wiseman makes this tremendous, yeah. you know, but can we really count on Oubre and yeah. in the biggest of games against LeBron? I, and not a, only that, it's a whole new team. It's it, Yes. And Dray, right. Dray, Draymond's a little bit older. Steph's a little yeah. bit older. Clay's a little bit older. You know, all that combined, it, it, it's just tough, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so, but you know, as the Toronto Raptors a couple of years showed us, you know, yeah, all bounces your way, some injuries around the league, you just never know. And so I, I don't want to make it, if I had to bet now, I'm giving it to the Lakers, but who knows in April, what's it like? Maybe we do this again in a couple of months and then I'll give you my real predictions because to me, it's also important how you play going into the playoffs. And so, you know, if, if you're struggling going in, if you have some internal turmoil going in, it's not you can't just flip the switch playoffs. I'm not a firm believer in that in today's NBA, unless you're LeBron James, right? He's proven he could flip the switch, you know. But some of these other teams, man, especially, you know, you talk about Philly, they, they got to get some momentum going. Same thing with Clippers, too. And so uh, there's a handful of teams out there that could win it, but the Lakers are the clear favorite. Yeah, health is always a factor, but it'll be interesting as we get into the playoffs with the contact tracing, like guys might not even have COVID and then they can't play like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, what's uh, so scary about, you know, this virus going around and, and how it's going to impact, uh, you know, the season. I mean, we're looking at the NFL playoffs now and, and you know, fingers crossed it's so far so good, you know, no, no star player, but what happens if a, a LeBron or, you know, somebody on the Lakers, you know, what do you do in, in the come playoff time? Uh, if you have to sit out a game or miss a couple of games because of contact tracing and COVID. So it, you can pretty much guarantee it's going to have some sort of impact for somebody uh, later in the season. Kyle, uh, let's get back to you before we get out of here. Um, your most memorable moment covering a game. Uh, a couple, man. It, it, Celtics fans aren't going to like this, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got Philly ties. You got Boston ties. You got... You got uh, uh, Lakers, California man. ties. Yeah. Man. All right, so I'll go back to 2010 NBA Finals Game 7. Lakers Celtics. Come on, man. You can't get much better than that. The greatest rivalry in all of basketball, in my opinion. A kid from Philly who grew up loving Magic Johnson, hating Larry Bird to see those two iconic franchises. That, that was sort of surreal, you know, and I was right there in the second row. And it was a crappy game. It was 83-79. Garbage game. But just to be there, it's one of those moments where you just sit and think, like, dang, you've sort of come full circle. You know, you start out in Philly, you grinding, wanted to be an engineer. That didn't work out. And now here you are covering the NBA Finals. And number two would be LeBron James, 2012. No. Yes, 2012 at the Garden in Boston where he dropped 45 points uh, to send the series back to uh, Miami. Think about it. The Heat were on the ropes back then. They were down 3-2. Rajon Rondo was playing out of his mind. And LeBron's legacy would be totally different if he doesn't win that series. But he came into the Boston Garden and put on a show. And just to be witness to that, I could also throw out Isaiah Thomas, 53 points, you know, after a six, wow. I, you know, that, that was tremendous. So many great moments, man. Uh, I, I love all games though. Like, you know, I tell people I hate blowouts. I want every game 
to go down to the wire, be memorable, have a game winning shot because, you know, just the crowd, the fans, when we are allowed to have them, it's just, you know, I just love that environment. Most definitely. Most definitely. You work with Scalabrini. You work with Christy, with Doug Christie. Yeah. Tell me about that. But then I also want you, then I also want you to answer this question. If you have to get one stop, one possession, who are you guarding, Doug Christie or Scalabrini? If I got to play defense, you got to get one, one stop. And you get some, you get some big cash prize. I don't know. You could name the prize, but who are you guarding for that uh, one possession? I would say I would have to guard Doug Christie. Okay. Because I, I guarded Scal, and Scal is super physical. One time I guarded him, and he like boomed into my chest, and I laid flat out like the amount of physicality. And so I don't <laughs> has that physicality as much, but he probably has the quickness advantage. You know, uh, as well, but I, I, you know, that physical punishment that Scal administered on me, I, I don't want to experience again. But it's great working with those two guys because they know the game so well, uh, Andrew. You know, they, they can, they, they, they've been in the locker rooms. They've played with great players. They know what it takes, and, and they're great guys as well. So, no, man, it's, you know, I, I like to say I've worked with two of the best analysts you know, on, on a regional level, talking about, you know, covering their teams in the entire country. Those, those, you know, those guys come with a, a passion, you know, Scal's energetic, Doug's fun and energetic as well. So it's been great. But I'd lock Doug Christie down. I could stop him for possession. I could stop him. I got you. Before we get out of here, tell me more about your agency. You have an agency, if I'm correct? Yeah, I'm, it's called, uh, you know, I'm hustling and grinding out here, big fella. You can't be doing big things you know oh, i appreciate that appreciate that. i got the draper agency and, and i started it six years ago basically as a way to help out young aspiring journalists coming up uh you know i help manage their careers and you know one of the things i, I really enjoy is helping people and i thought you know maybe my tv career won't last forever what's a plan b what's a fallback option and this is something I enjoy doing. So I'm slowly growing it, man. Just slowly growing it. So uh, it's called the Draper Agency. Hit me up on the website, thedraperagency.com. Very, very dope. Very dope. I really love to hear that. Uh, where can we find you on social media and everywhere else, Kyle? All my platforms. Just check it out. Kyle Draper TV. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, even on Cameo. I'm doing Cameos too now, big fella. So oh, wait, what's the price? What's the price for it? <laughs> I don't know. For you, I might double it. I might oh, man. 25 bucks, man. Oh, okay, you know? okay. Oh, no, we got Valentine's Day coming up. You want me to drop you know, a little special something for your Valentine or something like that? Do that too. So Birthdays, of course. You do the birthdays, right? You got birthdays for sure. Just did Christmas. Yeah, man. So I'm out there, man. I'm easy to find. No doubt about it. Kyle, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time and talk soon. All right, my man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. There it is. Episode 235 is in the books. Fun conversation. Thanks to Kyle for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Also, if you have Instagram, take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your IG stories, tag me at 1-2-Combo, that's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O, I'll share it, and be on the lookout for episode 236, Combo, out.